Are you gay? Geeky? Just enjoy hearing your good Judy's dish about the latest in pop culture? Well, then you're in luck. The boys of Flame On are here for you. In every episode, we discuss the topics that entrance us. Whether it's comics, TV, movies, drag queens, or video games, we've got you covered. So, if you're ready for your gay and geeky slice of pop culture life, then sit back and get ready to Flame On! I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Brace yourselves for a normal horror because the Call of Cthulhu Mystery Program has returned. Yes, Nerdy Show's beloved RPG audio drama of black comedy and Lovecraftian horror is back with an all-new series, a chilling tale called The Terrible Secret of Lot X. Head to CthulhuMystery.com or find the Call of Cthulhu Mystery Program wherever you procure fine podcasts. Succumb to the maddening call of Cthulhu. The following episode of Flame On is presented by the Nerdy Show Network. Geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. All Nerdy Show programming is made possible by a comic shop. Orlando's number one comic shop and nerd destination. And with the generous support of listeners like you. To learn how you can support this and other fine geeky programming, visit nerdyshow.com. What's going on, everybody? This is Pat DeBear here with another episode of Flame On. Oh. I am joined by Eric. Howdy. And BJ. You had to think about that for a minute. Did you, did you like forget his name all of a sudden? I was trying to figure out which side I was going to go to first, because <laughs> I figure y'all always used to me going to my left first. Yeah, you usually do go to your left. So right. I'm trying to keep y'all on your toes. I don't want anybody <laughs> to get complacent. <laughs> Going counterclockwise. Uh, one day we start an episode with one of us going, huh? Hi. Well, at least I don't do the whole counterclockwise, clockwise that Brian used to do. And then he'd have to like try to figure out which direction was which. Or he'd forget people, and that was always great. He's like, all right, we're going to go clock counterclockwise. Oh, back in the day, Flame On episodes. Oh, God. Oh, God. I've, been, I've been here long enough to have back in the day episodes now. Back in the day. Oh, my God. Can I tell you how old I felt for a second with my own technology? I don't use my MacBook that much. Uh, Brian was using it for a while. I have it back. And I am working at the theater at the Parliament House. And pretty much everything that the guy that normally works there is in, like, quick time and all this because he has a Mac. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to actually use my Mac, and I'm going to bring it with me. And I uh, had to go into iTunes to buy a, a song that wasn't on the flash drive. Oh. <laughs> and <laughs> iTunes is like, I'm going to start downloading all these podcasts. 
And it was like Flame On's ep- uh, episode where we interviewed Trixie Mattel. Oh my god! From season <laughs> seven. Oh my god! If you do not watch RuPaul's Drag Race, we just finished season eleven earlier this year. <laughs> this interview took place in the middle of season seven when it was still on Logo. Yeah. Wow. Because we interviewed her and we dropped that episode on the Monday of the the, the episode where she came back on yeah. the show was so. That's how long ago this thing was trying to download uh podcasts. And of course, like Macs come with solid state. Like they're not my it doesn't have a huge hard drive. So I'm like trying to like X them out, pause it all. I'm like, where's the pause all button? And then, you know, because then I have to download something. So I'm like, shit, I can't have it wait for like five years of, of podcast downloads. <laughs> oh, ridiculous. God, that was was that real? Oh my god, that was five years ago. It's something like that. Oh I, my god. I was looking I was thinking about it. I'm like, it, this show's been around for eight almost between eight and nine years now and i'm like oh feels so so old right now i was i was young and full of hopes and dreams when i joined this show you know it's always funny when you when you go back and you either listen or read something that you wrote or anything you're like little did this young ass bitch know little did he know it could get darker he thought it would get better little did he know (laughs) it did not get better but it always gets weirder. <laughs> Especially when BJ's involved. Yup. You had him at moist. You had him at moist. Have you worn your t-shirt? Oh, yeah. Oh, all, the, all the time. I'm planning on... So I'm planning on going to Palm Springs for my birthday for Western Exposure. Um, you won't need a t-shirt for that. No, but... <laughs> That's part of the exposure. <laughs> but I am going to Donald Duck it probably like to the bar or something to pick up a drink whenever it opens. Hopefully at like 10 a.m. Um... So I'm going to Donald Duck it a little bit around. You're not going to wear pants, but wear a vest? Or a shirt. Oh, okay. (laughs) He has a shirt and a vest on. Oh, okay. That seems a little (laughs) excessive for not wearing pants. (laughs) I love how they have also called attention to it on the recent season of DuckTales that he wears, like, a shirt and a hat, but never seems to wear pants, (laughs) usually. And, like, his sister and everybody else wears pants, and they're all like... What are you doing? And he's like, "What?" And and Scrooge is the same way. And he's like, "Yeah, what's wrong with it? There's nothing wrong with it." And it's it's just the most awkward, weird thing, ever. So Ooh. I'm going to do it. Oh lordy! All right, so we are here. It is our monthly uh, pop culture roundup. We're going to chat about the things that we are enjoying in pop culture at the moment, uh, and yeah, and just see where this uh, conversation takes us. Eric, why don't you hit us with your first topic? So nothing says entertainment like uh, documentaries on white privilege. Uh, but Chelsea Handler <laughs> oh, 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 oh. <laughs> released a documentary about white privilege called High Privilege, It's Me, Chelsea. I have not even heard of this at all, and I am completely... I want to watch it right now while we're doing this podcast. Yeah, it's on Netflix, so... I'm, go ahead. I'm, I'm literally. I'm gonna go ahead and, and yeah, yeah. Just put that in your queue. <laughs> uh, so it's an hour documentary on her investigating her own white privilege and uh, just kind of what the feeling is around different parts of the country in regards to white privilege. Um, she starts by going to uh, USC to do like an open mic night there that's a lot of students go to. Um, I want to say it's part of the African-American studies program 
that this professor puts on an open night, mic night and just a bunch of people go and do uh, spoken word type stuff and she gets up and she's like hey I want to come and talk to you guys about white privilege I'm doing this documentary and and they're like the fact that you're doing this documentary is again part of your white privilege I that's exactly <laughs> what I was thinking I'm like of oh. all people to do a documentary about white privilege like this is this yeah oh wow <laughs> that's wonderful and, and some of the students were like you know white privilege is really a white person problem and it's not really our responsibility to talk to you about it. Y'all need to talk to yourselves about exactly. it. Police yourselves. Uh, so ultimately, Chelsea understands that, yes, she's been the recipient of white privilege because back when she was a teenager, she dated a black guy who was a drug dealer and there were a couple times where she should have got arrested for drug possession, but the cops blamed the boyfriend and she got off scot-free. And, uh, oh, wow. Yeah. And so she actually goes back and talks to him and all that and goes to a couple places in the South. Uh, she goes to an Oktoberfest in rural Georgia. Oh. Where... I've I've been to one or two of those. <laughs> Where uh they seem to think that white privilege doesn't exist. Um and she also talks to some affluent uh white ladies in Orange County Ooh. who also seem to think that white privilege doesn't exist. I'm pretty and sure that's also Orange County, Florida as well. Probably. Like, if you're talking to affluent women in Orange <laughs> County, Florida, or Orange County, this was California. California. No, no, no. I figured as much. I'm just saying that if she were to come here and speak to affluent women, if she went into to Winter Park, oh, they'd be yeah. like, "Oh, white privilege doesn't exist." <laughs> they would probably ask her what pedigree she is, and then ask her where her man is and why is he not escorting her around. But as they walk their peacocks down Park <laughs> Avenue. <laughs> But ultimately, I guess the message of the documentary um, is just that this is really something white people have to talk to themselves about and have uncomfortable conversations and um, that it's really not up to the the black Blacks community, the many minorities. Yeah, to, it's not their responsibility to try and solve white privilege. I got enough shit on my plate, but no, I. You know what? It's it, that with any real social change and stuff like that, it's it. It's always it's almost always uncomfortable to have a conversation about it because it's always been kind of like either swept under the rug or literally people have been like, if somebody says this, say it doesn't exist, like. It's it's one of those things where it's very much been it's so deep in a culture sometimes it like it hurt. it's like digging out a hangnail or something you're like well this is gonna hurt but I need to get rid of this so yeah it's one of those things but yeah no absolutely that's I really want to watch that now and can I just play devil's advocate here for a second 
I expected you to. Okay. <laughs> Which the the topic is fantastic. But I feel like the way that it's done or the way she went about it may not be the the right way. Like, I mean, if it's if it's stated in the documentary itself that like this like we don't need to be talking to you about this. This is something that you and white people need to like figure out for yourselves. Do like a stand up special. Not like a stand a standard one, but it makes me think back to is it Nanette? Yeah. Yeah, Hannah Gadsby. Hannah Gadsby's, yeah. uh, where she took a lot of extremely heavy, heavy personal issues and and really things that she wanted to talk about, and did a special that touched on so many of these topics in a way that really made you stop and think about these things. Like I, I feel like that may have been a different and better way because then you're addressing the audience of who needs to be talking about this and like let's have this discussion here's my life story these are the things that have happened you can tell the story about the 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 drug dealer boyfriend who was arrested where she was let go and you know you can have these conversations and show these examples and and kind of have that thing where i feel like affluent white woman affluent cisgendered white woman is doing this thing to say hey Look, I'm ex- acknowledging that I have white privilege, and let me go talk to people. Like, I love that it's being done by affluent cisgendered white people that they're trying to make this point, but I feel like it loses something in the delivery versus the message. I mean, the, I mean, and that could, and honestly, that could be the fact that it's like you may not i mean you don't identify and and that's one you don't identify as an affluent well white woman but i mean i do but (laughs) you know but um it's one of those things where it's it's you'll have you'll have one side of the argument that literally isn't going to sit and watch somebody on a stage but then you'll have another side of the argument that people are like i would rather see that so it's just a matter of once you once you can get enough momentum going on the conversation then I could totally see her going back and doing a special. Like, I would love to see her kind of, I would actually, lo- I kind of would like to see her do kind of like a stand-up thing, then maybe an interview, and then another stand-up thing. Like, I, w- I wouldn't mind seeing seeing her doing, s- I mean, I know she does social issues on a whole bunch of different platforms, but um, it's true, it could be, it could have been something she could have done on her, her night show, her uh, Netflix um yeah hosting night show thing i mean i guess at at the at the core of it if it's going to help address this issue with even one person it does its job you know it it, the whole social consciousness isn't going to change at one time you're not going to be like flip a switch and okay white privilege goes away or you know people treat everybody equally that's not how that works unfortunately um and if it does then that means that they're um, an ancient demon who is feeding on their followers, and then Angel has to destroy world peace in order to stop that that evil demon from <laughs> eating um, part of the population, and then he's given the keys to Wolfram and Hart. But I mean, <laughs> you know, things like that happen. Uh, <laughs> so, like they do, you know. I mean, did did any of y'all watch Angel? But how in season they, four? But how do they end? With a battle. <laughs> and then Angel saying, I get to slay the dragon. And then it fades to black. 
<laughs> oh no, that's not how we weren't talking about the season, the series finale of Angel. <laughs> no, no, no. I was totally <laughs> talking about the series finale. Oh, okay, okay, very good. Uh, with Illyria there and not Fred because the ancient ancient god Illyria took over Fred's body. So sad. Because yeah, I was gonna say because they like to make me cry. I know. Or then when uh, when Wesley was dying and he's like, "Lie to me," and she turns back into Fred and cries over his body. Oh, oh my god. Oh, so sad. That's Angel for you. Anywho, so uh, so yeah, so what do you give? Uh, what do you rate Chelsea Handler's white privilege documentary? Uh, probably uh, three three flames. Cool. Yeah. Did it make you reevaluate your white privilege as a cisgendered affluent white woman? Um, a little bit, but I kind of already knew that I had white privilege, so I didn't have too much to discover on that front. Gotcha. Because okay. I'm woke AF. <laughs> <laughs> he's woke af y'all oh uh, i wish you would have said woke af <laughs> i'm woke af <laughs> oh. bj what is your first topic well it is gonna be steven universe the movie i speaking of cr- things that make me want to cry um from the angel is there finale. any way you could do this spoiler free yes actually <laughs> there is i feel okay. i feel like it's that do you the, do either of you watch hollywood game night Ye- i have yeah, yeah. Oh, you have okay so they have the, the game where it's like they have a tv show on a card and then it's like uh name that tune style uh, how many words do you need to like how many words oh, okay. do you need to yeah, describe yeah, yeah. the show for your team to guess the title yeah and then you have to bid down and then it's like asian comedy fresh off the boat you know like <laughs> that kind of thing i'm like i just see him in his head like trying to figure out the number of words that he can songs gems crying and singing uh. <laughs> I will just say this. I'm going to try to refrain from making comments during this <laughs> because I did watch it and I did not love it as much as everybody else did. I I I I understand the consensus behind that. I did not expect this to be like a full out musical. Oh, you didn't? I did not because none of the promos that I saw, I knew there was music. There's always music. I saw, I saw one promo that was like, it's a Steven Universe movie. And it's a musical, and that was the only promo. I mean, it, they didn't really explain it. Which that's where I was like, I'm like, why the fuck are they singing again? Like, where is this? <laughs> can we can we advance the plot without a song right now? Although, and then you know, True Kind of Love came on, and Estelle just, oh, um, she is a goddess in my eyes, and I love it. So anyway, back to uh, so I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna try not to make snide comments because you know I do that. Oh, this will be great, y'all. It'll, you, he'll probably explode. You this'll know, be, this will be the end of the podcast as we know it because we'll all be dead. That's my snide <laughs> privilege showing. But uh, but I'm woke af, so you know <laughs> I'm gonna try not to. But okay, so spoiler free review. We're actually we're gonna. This is the first time I think we've really tried to do a real spoiler free review. Review. Re- review. 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 <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm back. Words. <laughs> I think BJ just had a stroke. <laughs> All right. So, um, the the movie itself is almost like a soft retelling of the series. Um, you've kind of got the characters kind of in their own little world now. You get little tastes of how things have changed over the past two years. 
um, which I think they're saving for when they do the next season because they are. Uh, Rebecca Sugar did say there is more Steven Universe on the way, um, but they have not said whether or not it's filling in the two years or if it's going to take place after the movie or both, possibly both. Um, so you pretty much have a lot of the characters kind of doing their own thing for most of the two years and you kind of get uh, it's very quick moving which the pacing of the movie is kind of weird um because it all kind of happens within a day um but it is a musical y'all like if anybody has not seen this and is not expecting a musical it is a hard disney musical and i wasn't expecting to like the songs that i did um, cause true kind of love is like definitely in the top five, but like not in my top five, like it, well, it's in my top five, but it's like number four. I will say this. I was watching it while working on some stuff. A lot of the songs lyrics tend to be expositional yeah, in some way, but it's more about a feeling. It's like, it's giving you a bit of like what they're feeling or their history or like, um, the one with, uh, uh pearl and greg the when she's in the suit and the the big song where she talks about how she loved rose and oh yeah yeah yeah. so it's like it's not really moving the story forward it's filling in these gaps so you can see where her head is at yes and a lot of the songs tend to do that they're expository (laughs) expository expository uh suppository i would rather (laughs) eat my dinner thank you very much There it is, y'all. <laughs> There's, there it goes. There is a lot of exposition in the songs for, to an extent, for the the characters' motivations or what they're doing and how they're feeling. This was, we're gonna sing you all of the exposition at yeah. the beginning of this. So I would pop in and I would see, and it's like, okay, cool. Like you get, if it's almost as if it's self-contained. If you have not watched all whatever five hundred episodes. That have been before this. I, I feel like you'd need to at least to watch the the last like. Seven. Well, I mean, it spoils a lot of the end if you haven't, yeah. if you're not caught up. But if you were to come into this and not really know much about it, it gives yeah. you all of that exposition. It it gives you a lot of the character history, and I will say the songs that I did like are all of the ones that are the least expositionary, like other friends. Um, drift away, which leaves me in a sobbing mess for the rest of my life. By Dobie Gray, <laughs> or the or Uncle Cracker featuring Dobie Gray. <laughs> Give me the beat, boys, and free my soul. I want oh, no. wrong song, <laughs> wrong song. <laughs> um, Could you imagine if that was actually I, the cover that they used? I would, uh, I would be, and then so it's like those two songs really, really like smacked me pretty hard in the face. I wasn't really expecting, but that was all for the main villain, which um, a lot of people have compared the main villain as somebody that's dealing with B, uh, BPD, uh, borderline personality disorder. Um, who has problems controlling their emotions. They've been through something traumatic. Um, They often kind of don't understand their own feelings. Um, They don't think they can get better, Um, which really hits home um, for me. I really, really like the main villain. I'm not saying the name because that was like, you don't find out the villain's name throughout like the the middle. Um, 
but I love her character design. Everything about her designs are a 1930s rubber hose cartoon character inspired. Every single thing about her, even her song, her song number has it's like electro swing, so it's like a ragtimey type number. Um, everything uh, about how her hair doesn't move when she turns her head, which is an old Disney style thing. Um, everything about her is obsolete or or old. Yeah, it, um, it really did feel like original Mickey Mouse cartoons. Yes, for her. Yeah, uh, even the way she talks, she uses the word swell. So yeah. it's it's one of those things where it it really wasn't about Steven or the gems. It was actually about the main villain, which is the which is one of the major things I liked about it because that's where the show's always kind of shined where you 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 start to once you understand a character's past you're like, because we understood Pearl's past. We understood like she was feeling lost for Rose. But then when she did the song, um, It's Over, isn't it? Then you really understand that she's still in mourning. She's still missing this person and doesn't know how to feel about Greg. So it's one of those things where you're like, oh, like you didn't really, you, you were hit with this emotional weight that you didn't think the, the, they would still had to give you. And they even gave you some with Steven in the movie, which was which is uh, the song "Change," which made me really happy. Um, and just, uh, but the end of the animation was pretty good because uh, it was definitely a higher budget than the normal episode. Um, I love the diamonds so much. That little ditty they do. I, spe- I mean, it's it's obvious that all three of them are singers. You got Patty Lapone hanging out with them. So, um, and Lisa Hannigan, yeah, Lisa Ooh, Hannigan. Uh. Uh, so, like the the diamonds, it'll be very interesting to see where the show either either if the show goes to um, further into the future or up to the movie. White is my new favorite thing. <laughs> oh, her quotes! She is everything about her quotes ridiculous, she, and it's absolutely amazing and i love how she does have that kind of matron like like i'm the girl i guess so y'all just like i guess you don't love me like (laughs) sort of you don't call you don't write (laughs) yeah right (laughs) you dismantled my empire now you don't even visit me right and i'm very interested to see how like i really want to see how that affects things going forward um because Gems as a species don't have a fundamental understanding of organic life forms. So, um, you know, there's a lot of continuity stuff that people would complain about. And I'm just like, they don't care that that's a giant bin of this. They they leave that just sitting out on their porch. Like, so it's just one of those th- one of those things that uh, that you just kind of have to suspend your belief on. But I. My only complaint is I wanted more lion. <sighs> Of course, more, more lion. Although, uh, and they who doesn't and, want more lion? <laughs> and then they did say, um, "There's the big thing that nobody's uh, answering as far as Rebecca Sugar is the chest." Oh, uh, yeah. yeah, the chest. So, and that's yeah. not even. That's, oh, they still didn't open the chest of mm, the movie. No, can't can't tell you. Gotcha. You want to know? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but yeah, there's the thing with the chest. So there's there's still. It'll be very interesting going forward to see how things go uh, with the series, but uh, I give it a solid uh, 
put up four out of five flames. Okay. It it instilled it instilled just enough crying and singing uh, in me to be part of my life. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that is Steven Universe, the movie, the musical. I'm still mad about that <laughs> musical. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. What, did you, what were you thinking during the opening? I, I don't know. I was just like, I know there's going to be singing. <laughs> and then everybody's like, we're going to tell you what we were up to in uh, song. <laughs> and it's like, oh, okay. All right. Sure. <laughs> I mean, I probably rated three out of five flames. I mean, it was, it was, it was Steven Universe. It was the, our real first long form Steven Universe adventure. Um, I was gonna say for the longest time, none of y'all would watch it, and I think you. I still hate that first that, that those first couple episodes. Oh yeah, the first couple episodes are right. horrible, and if you can get past that, there are things. And okay, this is my part. This is my thing, and it's very much like Orange Is the New Black. Uh huh. I don't care about the main character. I really don't care about their journey. I know that it's central to the other plots. But the things that really it, like got that hooked me, that made me excited to watch an episode, were the other characters that I enjoyed more. Yeah. So I mean, I find Steven to be, you know, quite whiny a lot of times. I get it. He's a he's a child. He's trying to figure all these things out. Like there's all this craziness. I get it. But to me, that doesn't that part didn't resonate with me. Yeah. You know, um, Garnet like Garnet's still one of my absolute favorites. Lion, obviously. When I found out <laughs> Lion was dead, I swear to God, I Oh, that was He's not that... dead. He's kind of a thrall. He's a zombie. He's a zombie lion. He's a pink zombie. Um He eats. <laughs> he does. <laughs> he does. Cooking with Lion is still one of my favorite fucking shorts on uh online. Anyway, uh, but yeah, it, it's it's tough to get past those especially because they're they're establishing so much with steven in that beginning which yeah. you have to it's his show it, it didn't it didn't catch me at first and then and thinking about just like how far each character has come up into the movie it's like ridiculous how much they've developed the characters and these some most and a handful of the characters are mostly side uh, there's a handful of side characters hell greg like uh, fuck uh, sour cream and uh, Sadie. Like Sadie was one of those characters that I found myself uh, resonating with a bit, and I was like, "Where did that come from?" Like fucking, you know. God help us if anybody though uh, resonates with Rolando. I don't think anybody likes Rolando. <laughs> He's not that bad, but it was nice to see all of the characters get even just a moment in this. It, it wasn't like, hey. We're only going to focus the plot on oh, these people. Connie. But to like it weave through and even if it was just for a moment, pretty much every character that you've seen up yep. until now has made an appearance at some point. So, yeah, I mean, if you've watched, if you've enjoyed, you're going to like it. I probably would have liked it more if they had just talked about things instead of <laughs> the exposition <laughs> at the beginning. You could have cut some of those songs and I'd have been A-OK with it. Uh <laughs> But again, Estelle is still my goddess on that show. So, oh, the, uh, this is love. Uh, oh, uh, I'm so yes. All right, so uh, my first topic is something that we talked about last month, but 
weeks have passed and we get more information and more books have come out. So we're going to talk about House of X and Powers of Ten. It's so good. Because pretty much anything you ever thought you knew about the X-Men, you still kind of know. But it is presented in such a way that is not familiar at all. It's it's weird. It 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 respects like the multitudes of timelines and history and everything, but it has made itself its own thing. And I, I love it. Well, see, this is my thing, and obviously, we still have oh, three more episodes, three more episodes, three more <laughs> issues uh, before we reach powers of 10 six yeah which and we're, is that the final one in the reading order that is okay. yes um there's only uh, there was only one point where it went powers powers house house and then it went back it was those four um and it took me up until uh, like a couple of issues ago to realize that if you look at the reading order three are highlighted in red and those are the big game-changing issues oh the first one was moira x in yep. um Powers of Ten. Yes. Powers of Ten one. Two. Uh, two. Powers of Ten two. Or no, House of X two. It was House of X two. Oh, you're right. You're it right, was House right. of X two. You're right. And then we had um our second red issue in the most recent oh. issue that dropped, which was Powers of Ten number five. Yes. Or House of X five. Uh, I think it was Powers of Ten five because Powers of Ten. I've noticed the way they've been releasing them. I mean, I've been getting them at the same time because I just go to my box like every so often. But it feels like Powers of Ten comes out after the either the previous or current House of X. Yeah, it's pretty much House Powers, House Powers, except they have one little spot where it was uh, they they doubled up Powers yeah. to do the whole Ascension thing and all that. But either which way, whichever one just came out, we because the last issue, I think it's I think it's powers because the last House of X had them go on the potential suicide mission. Oh, the raid, yeah. For to destroy the mother mold. Oh. Where the X Men get slaughtered. The ones that go in on this mission, which were Penance, Cyclops, um, Archangel, Nightcrawler. Nightcrawler, Wolverine, Marvel Girl. Mystique, I think, too. No, Mystique was not part of. Oh, she was not part. No, of No, she wasn't part of that mission. Um, but we were. They were sent into space to do all this whole this whole thing. And at first, because you're reading through, and Angel gets killed, and you're like, "Oh shit!" They haven't really shown, you know, some of the ones that were getting killed at first. Um, Nightcrawler. Yep. You're like, oh, they're not in any of the solicits. Oh God, maybe this is gonna stick. <laughs> and then you keep reading, and you're flipping the pages, and then it's like, oh, oh no, Mystique was on that mission. Yeah, she was. She was because she, yes, she yes, yes. I'm sorry, that was yeah, my bad. Uh, because then she gets killed. Yep. And I'm like, oh wait, she's in a book. And then because she's in Marauders, I believe. I think yeah, I think she's in Marauders. And the next thing you know, it's like, and then Penance Monet turns into fucking Penance, like. Big fucking red impenetrable skin. Yep. Diamond razor sharp fucking like claws and everything from Gen X, like the first original launch of Gen X. And I'm like, when the fuck did she start doing that? <laughs> when? And then that kind of disappears, and you're like, okay. And then uh Nightcrawler and Wolverine teleport to go like 
knock the collar off of one, and they burn to a crisp and die, and then Cyclops gets blasted away, and I'm just like, and then Marvel Girl, and I'm just like, holy fuck, the X-Men are all dead now. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? I was, I, this is a testament to my roommates, because I think I was making audible gasps and screams right. while it, I was reading this in my room. And that, and that wasn't even the red issue. The the next issue, <laughs> the one that just came out, is the one that is was flagged as red, which means it's the big like it's a big yeah yo know, deal, and that's because they're back because we're now starting to kind of see and fill in some of the things we got in House of X one yes the whole to me my X Men scene uh huh we now get context we now get placement gold balls they're not balls. They're eggs. Yep. Who the fuck knew? Like, he has taken some of the weirdest, like, creations in the past five years and is now spinning them into, like, crucial, essential parts to this puzzle. And I, I, and I, that's what I love. It's one of those things where it was like, I can't remember what X Men movie came out. And I was sitting there, and somebody was like, they need to make this. And I was like, they don't need to fucking make new characters at this point. They need to, like, use the ones they have because they have so... Marvel has so many characters at their disposal. They do, and but... they the the way they've been kind of moving around... Like, Gold Balls, like, popped up in Spider-Man. The Miles Morales Spider-Man. Oh. And he was in... He, he was, like, a background character in some of, like... I think New X-Men, he was, like, a classmate just hanging out. Well... But, yeah. No, he was... Well, Gold Balls... Um, was when they had Uncanny X-Men. It was when Cyclops was still alive before he died. Yep. Um, it's when he had that weird X-Mask. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it was Emma and Magneto and Magic. And they went and found... It was it was him. It was uh, Ava Bell. Yep, you're right. Um, and, uh, and those you know those were the ones that... Those were the new mutants that developed. Because you say that there's a lot. But if you've been following along with the asides, oh well, yeah, no, yeah, no. the decimation. Yeah, it's true. When the pretender Wanda Maximoff, uh, you know, depowered most of the mutant population, second only to the massacre at Genosha by Cassandra Nova. The pretender. <laughs> I well, <laughs> I love it. So that's what we're calling Oral from now on. <laughs> oh, like hello, pretender. Uh, but they uh, they're now utilizing them in such a different way. So Gold Ball uh, produces an unlimited amount of what we thought were just balls. They are unviable biological eggs. They say that the only thing that they knew were that they were made of biological material. Mm-hmm. Come to find out, they're eggs. They um, then utilize um, elixir. Who it was oh, part of? I think right. that group of uh, X Men. Uh, New X Men, I think, was he was, was in that one. Yeah, he was in that one with a uh, prodigy. Okay, um, and then so he then s- generates life. Ava, oh no, what is it? I'm sorry. So it's Gold Balls. Proteus then warps reality to make an unviable egg viable. Oh, Elixir then jumpstarts life within it. Tempest, aka Ava Bell, then warps time to get it to its peak optimal age and development. And then Hope, Summers, uh, puts them all in sync to elevate and make them all work in unison as one. So they're labeled as the five, and they are the ones who now can bring back life from the dead. Oh. So, in addition to this, 
Charles and his Cerebro helmet. They also now keyed us into the fact that Cerebro isn't just a device or a machine to find mutants. That's a secondary component to what Cerebro does. Cerebro allows him to make imprints of everybody's psyche and personality and everything about that person. And he does it weekly. And basically makes it's like restoring your computer or making backup points, restore points for so your he's computer. Made, he's made effectively so, backups of every single mutant. So this is turning into the Krakoa. Venture Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> so those X Men that were killed in this mission were then recreated. Their new bodies were recreated by the five, and then Charles was able to imprint they them back into their bodies. And there's this whole, I don't want to call it, it's like a, a ritual almost that Storm has the mutants on Krakoa all gather and brings them back up. And like, it's like, do you know this person? You know, she's like, what is your name? And it's like, Jean Grey, Marvel Girl. And she's like, how do I know it's the real you? And she's like, and it's it, like, they, they kind of talk about like, you know, they give a, a thing about like Cyclops is like, you know. I always thought that I was, uh, you know, the the leader of the X Men, but I never truly knew how to lead until I saw until I until I watched or until I saw you do it. And then she's like, "I learned it from you." And they embrace it. She's like, "I know this man." You know, like it's it's it, to it's to allay everybody's fears that exactly comes yeah. back through that that yes. process is oh. And then and the thing is, and I, I was reading an article about it. It's like it's not just it, it it's a weird kind of play on all of this because they almost strip away the individuality because then like the whole, what is your name? And who, and what are you like? I'm a mutant, you know, like, and it's all because it's this mutant solidarity. Yeah. So it becomes a mutant first individual later. And it, it's just kind of, it's weird. Like, it's kind of crazy how all of this is, this is shaping because in the issue prior to this, Oh yeah. They had a little trip to Bar Sinister. Fucking Mr. Sinister. And it's ridiculous. I <laughs> because it's an island full of just sinister clones. I some sassier than others. I love and hate Mr. Sinister so much. I I if he is not gay at this point, like if the main one or what because so Magneto and uh Charles go to Bar Sinister. And they're created by a sinister clone, like the the concierge of the island. And uh, he's like, you know, we're here to speak to whatever. And they're like, dressed like that? Like, who wears capes? And then he's like, I don't think he's going to want to see you. And then so they, they eventually get him to, you know, get to go see Mr. Sinister sitting uh-huh. on the throne and everything. And um, he Charles is talking to him. And he's like, why would I want to help you? And then gets shot it like basically gets shot and killed from behind by a different mr sinister clone who is super fucking sassy (laughs) and obsessed with magneto's cave (laughs) he's like i need to get me one of those and that's apparently where that that big swoopy cape that mr sinister's like 90s uh (laughs) look was all about yep but xavier uh has this thing where he wants sinister to basically catalog every mutant on the planet and their genetics and their genetic makeup but then basically wipes his mind and leaves a little like post-hypnotic suggestion of like you're gonna forget all about this until i need you to remember so he sets all this stuff up but they do these blind items and it 
hints at little bits and pieces of things to come. So obviously Hickman has all of this stuff planned out. He's not writing all the books. He's writing the um, titular X-Men title, but then the other five books are written by other uh, writers, but he is the mastermind of this entire world. So he has this whole like game plan in this map. So it's done very tabloid, very sassy gossip style, like, would you believe me if you know, if I told you that the or two brothers jumped out of a plane to to save themselves? Some people say there was a third brother, but would you believe me if I said there there were more? Maybe, maybe not. Like <laughs> it's all these like weird little things. Um, so like they hint at there being a fourth, at least a fourth uh, Summers brother, Ooh. because we know that Vulcan is coming back. Because obviously the two brothers that jumped out of a plane are Scott, Scott and, and Alex. Alex. Yeah, Scott and Alex. Um. And then it's there's one that possibly hints at Madeline Pryor showing up again. <gasps> I know. It said something about a pretender. So I was like, maybe that's Wanda. And <laughs> Oral Oral thinks that it's Madeline. So I mean, I would not be mad about Madeline Pryor showing back up in um in a story. Uh there's some that like hints at Mr. Sinister being uh aware of what was going on in the conversation that he had with xavier and magneto before uh they like the post-hypnotic suggestion was done um here's the one that oh sinister secrets (laughs) sinister secret number three years ago a deceased redhead pretender made a pact with the devil when she passed on most believe that any secret she had went with her to the grave won't everyone be surprised when they find out not only is this not true, but she left behind a whole lot more than secrets. <laughs> I love it. I right? fucking love it. So it really, I mean, Inferno, Madeline Pryor, it does, you know, it does sound like that. I saw Pretender and I got excited they were going to do like some crazy thing. Like I would love to see them bring Quicksilver and Wanda back into the mutant fold. Yeah. But, you know, probably not going to happen at this point. But it's it's been fun to watch this ride unfold. And we only have a couple of issues left. October is when uh, Dawn of X launches. So we have just a couple more issues left to see where this whole thing leads us. And I'm super excited to to find out where that is. All right. So that is our first round of topics in the bag. If you are enjoying this episode or any of the other episodes that we have done here at Flame On, then please follow us online. Follow us on all of your favorite social media platforms. You can go to flameonshow.com and scroll to the bottom. Or on your favorite social media platform, just type in Flame On Show and you will probably find us there. Twitter, Instagram. There's a lot of pictures from DragCon. <laughs> um, it, yeah, it, it was it's crazy, crazy. But it was a lot of fun. Um, Brian uh, from Chicago or off-air correspondent and i were in new york for DragCon all three days walked that floor so much it's the closest i've come to walking the 50k for the the 50k rewards in pokemon go <laughs> i was like i need to hatch an unknown dear listeners what he did not know is that he would not hatch an unknown he does now though i still don't have an unknown people are like i hatched three r's i'm like fuck you all but I still love you because you're my Pokemon friends. Uh, but uh, we had a great time there. And uh, there's a ton of pictures. I think it, there's like 75 posts from DragCon over the weekend, including a little video interview with Nina West, 
uh, with a little uh, little snippet with Tammy Brown, lots of great pictures. We right before this in the feed will be a very special uh, Dragon UK episode that we were embargoed until September 24th. Uh, so we recorded our interviews. There's nothing really big and salacious, but they're really fun and uh, get to know the queens, uh, all 10 of the queens we got to interview. And, uh, and that'll be going up uh, as a podcast and uh, maybe in some other areas as well because we have video footage and Ooh. audio. So we were trying to do our best. We had some mic issues. And unfortunately, when you are not in a place where you know where you can get things quickly and easily or have them delivered quickly and easily when you're trying to go to a con and back and you're staying an hour away and have to, you know, you're getting back at 10 or 11 o'clock at night and then back up at seven in the morning to get on a train to do it all over again the next day. Yeah. Or you get back at 3 a.m. and have to be on a train at 8.30 in the morning because we did that too. Sunday was rough, but it was good times. Uh, but we are we were on Twitter, we're on Instagram, we're on all of those. And I want to let you all know because we have a lot of listeners that maybe don't follow us on Facebook. We have launched our very own Flame On Patreon. Ta-da! Yes, the Nerdy Show um, is still doing theirs at patreon.com forward slash nerdy show. But Nerdy Show is kind of uh, switching up a little bit of what their focus is and going to a master uh, imprint called Omniverse. They're going to focus on their audio dramas and and some other things um, a little bit more intently, intently, intensely, both, maybe, I don't know. And um, they are going to be focusing on that. So they have encouraged some of the other shows to go ahead and start their own Patreons. So that way we can have a little bit more interaction with you, our listeners, and if you feel so inclined to support us, then you have a way to do that directly through Patreon without having to earmark the money. This You become a patron. Uh, we have four levels. The first is at a dollar, and that is being a new mutant. And that gets... Uh, right? Uh, right? I see you. I, you know, come on. I was sitting there trying to think of like fun little things, and I'm like, well, we're going X-Men with this. Um, and basically we, you know, we, we thank you for your support and we will, uh, be giving you a shout out on our podcast right here, our roundup. And with this recording, and actually one just came in right now. So we will give a shout out at the dollar level. You'll get a shout out on our podcast, our roundup right here. So I want to say a huge thank you to Hoodoo Voodoo, uh, Stephen, and uh, our parent company, the Nerdy Show Network, as well as Rodolfo. Aww. So those are our first three patrons. Thank you so much. Thank you. I know. They're awesome. So those are our first supporters. So we want to give a shout out. So at the dollar level, you get a shout out from us here on the show. You can join at the Generation X level, which is $5 a month. A great suggestion by BJ is what we have used for this level. In, uh-huh. adi- in addition to getting a shout-out, uh, Hoodoo Voodoo will also be getting access to, and it'll be dropping soon. It'll be, these will drop towards the end of the month, 
Um, we're going to send out right now. Basically, there doesn't have to be a poll. It's just hoodoo voodoo that gets to decide. <laughs> uh, we're going to come. Uh, we're going to come up with a couple of different topics and let our five dollar and up patrons uh, choose the topic. But it's a new little thing we're calling a sip of tea with Oral. Yay! We're going to give Oral a topic, and he's just going to rant for uh, for a couple of minutes. The quality may or may not be great, uh, or at the level of this podcast. I don't want to say great. Because phones nowadays can fucking record pretty damn good audio. Yeah. Uh, but oral schedule is so crazy. This was kind of a way to get him back into uh, being a part of the show where he can do stuff like this on the go. If he's able to, he'll come over and we'll set up and we'll do a, a full out recording like this to be able to get like really great audio. But if not, if he's even just at work and has a couple of minutes of downtime and we say, here's a topic. He can just rant and then send us the uh, the audio file, and that will go up. And that's a Patreon-only exclusive. You will not hear that on our main feed. That will just be exclusive to our $5 and up patrons. At the $10 level, you can be a powers of 10. <laughs> I know, right? Clever. Look at you. Clever girl. Uh, <laughs> our $10 level gets you the shout-out. It gets you a sip of tea with Oral. And it also gets you a an exclusive Patreon exclusive monthly audio episode. So we'll grab uh, a couple of topics, we'll throw them out there to you, our our patrons, and you can pick a topic, and we'll just do a, a, a little microsode. Again, it may just be a 15-20 minute episode, but it'll give us a little bit extra time to talk about a topic you want to hear us talk about. So basically, it's like you get to decide what a microsode topic will be. And it's just exclusive to you, our Patreon listeners, at the $10 and higher level. We do have one more tier. It's the House of X tier. (laughs) And this is the $20 level. In addition to the shout-out, a sip of tea, and the audio episode, we'll have a YouTube live stream session with the boys here and uh, you, our dear Patreon patrons. So you'll get to hang out with us. You can ask us about our day, our lives, things that we're watching, reading, doing, what games Eric is playing, because he said he was going to expand his gaming in the year 2019. That was part of his uh, New Year's pop culture resolutions. I don't think that's changed much. (laughs) He's actually even (laughs) dropped Pogo for the most part. I I think he bought them at least. Yeah. Oh, I, I have purchased games. That's phenomenal. So have I, and I haven't played them either, so... (laughs) um but i did read a book so hey i'm i'm making strides on my my pop culture resolution so that is our our patreon breakdown for you so please if you are enjoying the show and and i'll be honest this show we do this because we enjoy it we enjoy each other's company we enjoy talking about these things it is a labor of love um and i stress the word labor because (laughs) Trying to get everybody together, trying to get all this stuff done. Me lugging these microphone stands because these bases are heavy as fuck. Um, <laughs> trying to get all this stuff together and get everybody together and do all this isn't easy, and it isn't cheap. This equipment uh, does cost a lot of money. Thankfully, we've gotten to a good point where we have a lot of really great equipment, and we haven't really had to shell out money uh, for anything. But if if anything breaks, that all costs money, and if you are enjoying the content. I don't I don't say that you have to support us. Ready to pop the question? 
The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Financially, <laughs> but we would love it if you, uh, if you even threw a dollar towards us. Put a- we ain't got that Squarespace money yet. No, no, no. We don't have. No. Oh, we don't have that Squatty Potty money yet. No Casper mattresses for us. Damn it! I was gonna start this segment with. <laughs> I want to take a minute to talk to you about Squarespace. <laughs> we ain't got none of that Audible money. <laughs> <laughs> but we do. We do enjoy doing this. We enjoy putting these out for you. I, aside from uh, the first episode this month, which was delayed a week because. I was just the living dead coming back from uh, two weekends of uh, of travel. Brian's probably going to listen to this and be like, two weekends, bitch. I'm gone for three weeks. You know, but hey, <laughs> I don't have a job paying me that kind of that kind of Skrillogy. Skrillogy. Skrilla, comma, G. I've never heard that before. It's uh, what Pil- it's one of the things Pillboy says to Jason at the go- in the good place. Oh, when they're okay. when they talk when they show Jason's death and they're at the restaurant and he's like. I don't got that kind of Skrillogy because <laughs> you want they want to be they're they're DJs in my in uh, yeah. Jacksonville they want to be DJs in Miami but it takes a lot of money. Uh, <laughs> sorry, it was one of those weird things I wanted to say. Uh, so we we absolutely thank you, Rodolfo Hoodoo Voodoo, and our parent company, uh, the Nerdy Show Network, Cap, and all of uh, those fine folks over there. Thanks for for supporting us uh, and being our first supporters on Patreon. And we are back with round two. Fight. Yes. So we're going to swing around the other way. BJ, give us your second topic. Well, I don't know if you guys heard of this little movie called It. What is it? It's It. I know it's It, but what's the name of the movie? It's It. It's It? It's It. That's That's It? it? Well, it's It Chapter 2. Oh. Oh. Um, no colon, no colon. Which which um actually has kind of uh, come under a little bit of it's been kind of polarized amongst a lot of fans lately. Okay. I'm going to pause you for a second. And when I say that we sometimes go out of our way to make sure that we can bring you riveting conversations. This weekend I worked three jobs on Friday night at, at the Parliament House. Last night I worked two jobs at the Parliament House. Went to bed at 3 o'clock in the morning, roughly, and got up early so I could make sure the dogs were taken care of, so I could go sit my happy ass in the theater for three hours to watch It Chapter 2 this morning, because I did not want anything spoiled more than it had been already, and so I could be a part of this discussion. So, I have seen this movie also. It took me until today, but I did it. 
And you had seen the first part, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Because we did, remember, we did um, we oh. did a micro, actually. Oh, yeah. That's right. We did. I did two yeah. days of uh, movies, which I don't, I don't get to the movies a lot, especially if it's not a Marvel, you know, or a superhero movie. But I went and saw, it was me and one other dude in the theater, like six rows apart, both of us sitting like dead center in the theater for it, because it was, had been out for a couple, like two, a uh, month and a half. It was like just before yeah. it was done with its... Uh, theatrical release yeah and then we went and saw happy death day the next day i think the three of us went and saw happy death day and then came here and did a micro about those two movies so i enjoyed it i'm not a big horror fan and i enjoyed it chapter one so much that i was like okay i i'm in for it chapter two so discuss away we're we're kind of in a golden age right now too with horror so it's it it was it, it wasn't as I want to say it wasn't as jarring as the first one. Like, the first one, I didn't really know what to expect because they had moved the decade up by, like, 20 years. So the first one was in the 80s. This one's in 2018. Uh, 2019. 2016? 2016. Yeah, because the the original takes place in 89. Yeah, and it's 27 27 years years later. Yeah, it's 27 years later. And the only reason I remember that is because it says it at the beginning of the movie. It says 1989. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. And then Taylor Swift was being born in the background. (laughs) But, uh... (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) But, um... So, I... I really... I wasn't really sure what to expect because... It, they had a banging cast. Like the cast for the adult losers was pretty phenomenal. The, ca- I, the casting was amazing. Yeah, the casting was amazing. Um, I loved everything they did with the first one. The second one, because I've read the book and I've seen the the miniseries, so I really wasn't sure what to expect because in the miniseries they went, they almost went a little physical with how they got how they killed it. And in this one, it was a little bit more metaphysical, which I think I appreciated more. Um, uh, but uh, they did a really good job. I mean, the the opening scene pretty much was the most horrifying thing I have witnessed in a horror movie. One of the most horrifying things I've witnessed in a horror movie. And I was led to believe it is. I listened to the Pop Culture Happy Hour review, mm. which they are usually spoiler free, so I felt okay. With like if they start if they start a conversation with if you haven't seen this like you know come back then I will usually pause it like Veronica Mars I didn't listen to that episode beforehand because they were gonna dive into and they were gonna talk about things that happened and I was like okay I want to go back to the beginning and watch through like I knew I had a plan so I was like okay pause this I'll come back to it I can listen to other episodes whatever when this one came up they didn't have any of that and that for me that's pretty much code that. They're going to touch on some things, but they're not going to give you specifics or or really anything that's going to make you go, oh, okay, now it's ruined for me. Or this twist or this surprise is ruined. I felt, and maybe this is my own opinion of it, I was led to believe that this opening scene went on much longer. Because what I had heard in in a negative way was that it 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 was very drawn out and it was very you know it was very graphic it was very like it was much longer than it needed to be and i'm watching it and then it ended and i'm like oh oh that's it like that's the in this in the length of time i don't yeah. mean in the intensity yeah. yeah because it was intense yeah they well and and this is almost it's a, almost like completely identical from the book 
Um, the only difference is in the book. It happens at kind of like a there's like a boardwalky area on the edge of the lake, and that's where that the only difference is it happens at a boardwalk at night instead of a carnival at night. Gotcha. Um, and um, the it turn uh, and he doesn't actually fall in the water. He falls on the sand, but he's pretty injured, and it turns into a werewolf. Gotcha. So, yeah, because they never brought up the werewolf, really. Yeah, uh, they brought him up. It was in chapter one. Yeah. He he started to turn into one when they yeah. first went encounter him in the house. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it was like super intense. Um, it's polarized a lot of people about it. Like, should it have been that intense? Should it have been even done? Um, the and I feel the answer to that is yes. Yes, that it should have been done, and that it sadly even in. Even though it's set in 2016, that's a thing. And in, and if you don't know what we're talking about, if you have been a victim of any type of gay bashing, any type of abuse, any type of, of that, please know that if you have not seen this movie, go into it knowing that within the first five minutes of the movie, after the you know kind of recap and exposition at the beginning, yep. when the first like real scene of the movie takes place, there is a very graphic uh, gay bashing incident that takes place in this very small town in 2016 and it it's it's intense but it's a thing that lgbtqia people face every single day and it shows you that evil doesn't have to be an extraordinary demon it shows you that this kind of evil lives in everyday man yes and that was and that was one of the things um, they they did an interview with the director and Stephen King and both of them uh, Stephen King based it off of an actual event that happened in when he was in Maine yeah like he read about it and he heard about it and everything and then he it was one of those things where the director thought it needed to be shown that it doesn't really matter where you are and it very much kind of it's it's one of those things where if you're a horror movie director. What do you pick? What do you do? You know, do you do something that's because that was part of like there was all these scary things in the original It movie, like, you know, the headless kid and everything. But at the end of the day, the kids were also scared of other kids. There was there was more levels to that than just like it was um, Beverly's bullying, um, the racism that Mike would experience, even some some gay bashing from the bullies in the first movie. Right. Um but in the first movie, it was spelled out a little more that the presence of it being in the town kind of elevated it, that. It, it, ex- it exacerbates it. It yeah. exacerbates the worst qualities in people. Yeah. Whereas that isn't brought out so much in It Chapter 2. No. So if you were to watch them both together, yes, it it would make more sense. Like, like obviously, regardless of whether or not it is around, gay bashings happen in the U.S. and around the world. That's a thing. But I think what they were trying to say is this was, in a whole, both movies together, you would understand more where that was coming True. from. You, you uh, honestly, I will say with it, chapter two, if you were to do a movie, if you haven't seen either one. And if you were to do a marathon, I feel like that it chapter two holds up significantly better. Oh, for sure. Like if you watch them back to back, because it chapter two goes right in, um, you know, after the, the gay bashing scene, you go right into 
um, Mike checking out the scene, seeing the the balloons. You have him contacting the losers, and it it goes right into it. And once the losers are all together, it it go it it kicks in full throttle. Um, well, yeah, there's no world building needed. You know, yeah. the first one you have to you have to set the scene. You've got to put all of this together and introduce these characters and and do all of that. But yeah, it, it, chapter two definitely pacing is quicker, which is needed because it is a two and a half plus hour movie. Yes, two forty nine with credits. So a, a nice little trick I like what they did is um uh, was it um I can't remember the, his name the hypochondriac kid, um, Eric. No, it was with an E though. Or Eddie. Eddie, Eddie, Eddie. Eddie um, I knew it was an E just because of the end, that the one final scene. The one thing that does not get said, but is strongly alluded to at the end of the movie. Oh. Well, you know, we have Eddie, and Eddie has married a, married a woman that is just like his mother, which is played by the same actress as his mother in the previous movie. <laughs> oh, I didn't even know that. That was the exact same actress and the little boy that Bill meets that is going to the carnival that we see in the trailer is the same actor that played his little brother in the first movie. Really? Yep. That's Georgie. Mm, that's the same. That's the same actor that played Georgie. Oh, 100%. Huh? And all oh, the only thing that I noticed was his, was his voice. Because if you realize we've only ever really seen Georgie in his, um, before he left, when he left the house and when he was in the raincoat, and he was pretty much covered yeah. outside of his face and, like, his arm detached or undetached. Um, but, um, yeah, that was the that kid's the same actor. Interesting. Now, do they, they, they filmed these back-to-back, right? Uh, they Yeah, they filmed them almost com- back-to-back. Okay, because I was going to say, because the Losers Club in Chapter 1, there is still presence and storyline with them throughout Chapter 2. Yes. So, in order to... In order to have them not have any kind of age discrepancy or, or appearance change, because all of that story still takes place within the the, the time frame, yep. roughly, I, I mean, give or take, because it's that summer when everything happens. Yeah, they spent like a month apart. Yeah, and yeah, but it's all they they talk about it being that summer, so you have to film at least all of their scenes. You can do all the stuff with the the adult loser club afterwards. But you need the younger ones to still be that same look and age yep. when you're if you're going to utilize that footage. So yeah, that's and, very interesting. And and the um and I love the flashback scenes because it, it was funny. I completely forgot that they had spent almost a month apart um, after they had their first fight with it, and there you literally get to see where they left off from that moment on and it was actually like the the one with richie scared the ever-living fuck out of me with the paul bunyan oh statue god yeah that i screamed my head off like i was not expecting it to just be right the fuck there and that was probably one of the few jump scares that really nailed like nailed me oh god the amount of jump scares in this movie were ridiculous. Like, yeah. They didn't rely on that as much in chapter one. This time around, it was like anything they could do to get a jump scare. It was like a hand, or I almost couldn't catch my breath once or twice. I was like, okay. Yeah. Oh. I need oh. a moment. Um, But no, as far as narratives go, um, 
Like they they spent a good time on on each character. They spent a lot of time on Beverly. Um and I was okay with that cuz Beverly I liked in the book. I liked Beverly's story. I was drawn to Bill's story, but I actually never really liked Bill's story all that much. It was the catalyst, but um it was just one of those things where I was just kind of like, yes, we know Bill's the main Johnny average character. Um, yeah, I think kid Bill is stronger than adult Bill. Yes. And I like that. A, I love the fact that they kept talking about his book ending because <laughs> they people complained about the ending to that book. Uh, yeah, that was that was kind of the thing that Stephen King and the director were like, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna do that. It was a very meta moment that if you are fans of the book and you you followed like Stephen King's career, it's a neat little nugget of like funny, um, because I'm chuckling at it and like half the people in the theater are like, why are you laughing? Um, but I was waiting for a giant cosmic space turtle to to know, appear. I was was a I can't re- I keep wanting to say Etrigan, but that's a DC character. Um, but uh, I was okay. With oh, what? I was kidding. I didn't. I did uh, not want to die. Cosmic want, space di- so I never saw the miniseries, but I did watch the everything wrong with uh, videos for <laughs> chapter for for part one and part two because uh-huh. they they did it. They split it up into because it was what a four night miniseries or did, was it only in two nights? Uh, I think it was four nights. They had four nights. So. I, I they did like the first half with the the young ones and then the adults so basically mimicking how the movies were going to do so it, it it did all that so that's really the my only point of reference for some of the stuff in the comparison um so it's just funny watching the flashbacks take place and how they frame them which was done well uh-huh. but then like watching like having watched those videos and seeing like the character like John Ritter and all of them like like face touching and then like the 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 faces that they had them make and then like you know pause on to like do this like zoom in for the 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 flashback sequence it was like okay this is definitely a little bit you know more refined than the original miniseries well and and that was and and i love honestly i love how everything played out story-wise um i love like the atmosphere, I I gotta say I absolutely love. Um, oh my gosh, what's his name from um, Saturday Night Live? Bill Hader was the MVP of that movie. Bill Hader was the MVP of that movie because Bill Hader, I always forget because I've seen him in dramatic roles. When they said he was gonna be Richie, I was like, okay, I can see that, but I just I always forget. One, his comedic timing is impeccable, and two, he is a really good actor. Like. He was great, and then the whole sub, the whole—I mean, it wasn't really subtext in, in the uh, in the movie, but the fact that he had feelings for uh, was it Eddie? Well, um, I mean, it was, and I really wish they had maybe done a little bit more with it. Um, I I don't mind nuance, I don't mind subtlety, but in a way, it was almost shoehorned in. And like the only the first time you really get any like anything with it, it's at the Street Fighter game when he has to go when he has to go find his token, which is an actual token. And they do that whole thing with you know, the the bully's cousin. Well, he, yeah, he invited the kid to play another game with him and like yeah, it ended up being the bully's cousin. Yeah. And then it was like, okay. And then you saw him go to the the, the fence post and he you see him carve the R and I'm like I was waiting. I'm like, okay, like, are we gonna have? Are they gonna do something with this? Which they did. 
and then like him breaking down because of Eddie's death yeah. and all of that. Like, and then him going back and you know finish carving the E, and it was like, okay, like I I at least appreciated that part of it because I'm like, where are we going with this? Like, why is this a part of the story? Because it was touched on in the book that they were always like those two were close, mm-hmm. but like it, it was the subtext was like. So, like you had to literally like go looking for it because literally after I saw the movie, I went and checked some things out with the book, and I was like, "Oh, it's there, but it's like, it, it it's for when the book was written, it's very much you can if you're looking for it, you can find it." So sort of thing. Gotcha. To me, it did like I get okay, Richie and Eddie, but to me, the movie left me more thinking that Richie had feelings for Stanley. It, yeah, because I was complete. I, be, as soon as because the, yeah. the whole bar, bar mitzvah scene, because I understand where each of them probably reconciled their grievances for Stanley, but his was the only one that was actually shown in the movie. So to me, that's more where he would have had a boyhood crush on yeah yeah i could see him having a boy i I mean either stanley or eddie because eddie him and eddie are always bumping heads and when you're a kid you always like bump heads or tease or whoever you poke the one you like you poke the one you like um come on toxic masculinity (laughs) exactly um actually because why would you just express your emotions and feelings i'm glad you mentioned stanley I love what they did with Stanley's death in this movie so much better than what they did in the original, the the miniseries. Be- I don't remember what it was in the miniseries. Uh, in the miniseries, he still kill- he still committed suicide. Right. But it tr- made him do it. Oh. Uh... Yeah, it made him do it. In this one, he knew he couldn't. He would he would hold them back because he was because he was the one that was left alone with it for too long when it was all it was eating his face in the first movie um it scarred that that scene that that moment in the book and in the movie scarred him so much he could not survive it and so in the the new movies they had him take himself off the chessboard before going to the town um which gave him a slightly more heroic end um, it's still like super sad, and you're like, I really would have liked to have seen that kid, the adult version of that character, interact with all the other characters. Um, but it 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 made the character, especially after the bar mitzvah scene, where he's where he's talking and he just kind of like wanders off with the microphone. It it gave the character to me a bit more bite because he he was he was kind of the weak link in the first movie, as far as like the team dynamic goes. So um, I I like they they gave him a little bit more depth before they took him out of the effectively took the character out, which made me happy. And we got to see his ass. We did get to see that. <laughs> um, but all in all, I I loved it. Um, I honestly can't wait to get them both in like a box set, so I can do like a big marathon. Um, probably like a couple of years from now when I'm like kind of for, I've forgotten some of the jump scares, so I can get in good adrenaline rush. Uh, but I will give this one off four out of five flames. Okay. Eric, any thoughts or uh, pieces you want to throw in there? Um, I didn't feel as great about this one as I did about the first one. 
because I think it acts. The first one, I felt you could just watch it and it would be a standalone movie. Yeah, you I did. mean, I mean, even though I knew that the book continued and there yeah. was more to it, but if it, if it didn't do well and it, they didn't do a second one, you could see like the the kids' story is almost a self contained, you know, right. Whereas the adult, I mean, I guess there'd be a way to do it, and you'd have little flashbacks, but it it can't work as a standalone. I feel as well. Yeah. You you need it to be a whole arc, yeah, to yeah. really be effective. So this one I didn't care for as much as the first one, um, but I still thought it was good. Um, it was definitely superior to the miniseries. Um, so I'd give it three and a half flames. Okay, I enjoyed the movie. I think that. It was definitely a different approach to how they were trying to get under your skin. Chapter one had a bit more mental mind fucks with it, like the um, when they were doing the 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 slideshow, and then he started like, yeah. oh, like that one, yeah, like, that was the that ugh. fucked me up more than ugh. like I and I again, I'm not a big horror fan because I don't like jump scares. And this movie had a lot of jump scares, but I didn't. I did enjoy the movie. I had, besides the, I wish they had played up the the whole like Richie homosexuality piece a little bit more. I was a little annoyed, and I get it. I understand. I can understand why. With new kid, what was his actual name? Oh, um, crap. New kid. Oh, Chunky. No. Chunky then funky. Oh. Large and in charge. Latrice <laughs> Royale. Uh, ben. Ben. Uh, with Ben's storyline. I understand when you're the when you're the fat kid and you grow up and you have all those insecurities and you you live with those those demons in your mind because newsflash if you haven't seen pictures I'm still that fat kid and have a lot of those demons in in my head as well so I I relate a lot to that and I get the in essence unrequited crush on on Bev and like I mean you know I went through that phase as well. It's all right, Ben. You can come out eventually. Uh, you you go through that and you have this. You write little notes and you make all these gestures. And the pretty girl thinks that it's, you know, this other kid because he's, you know, a generic white boy. And more along the lines of what the normal heteronormative standard of, you know, attractive white male is. And then he loses all the weight and he does, you know, becomes six pack. And I was like, I felt like the the scene where... Uh, Pennywise's carving into his stomach was just to show off the abs. Wasn't mad about it <laughs> because I was like, Ooh. thought it was fan service. I was like, come on, abs, come on, you know, little uh, little treasure trail, just a little fuzz right above the the <laughs> belt, the the pant line. I get like I'm I'm not mad about it, but for then Bev to like have that rev- the revelation and that's how they save each other from you know Pennywise and it. Um, 
And then she realizes that he was the one that wrote the, wrote the, the postcard poem. and, you know, did all this stuff. And it's like, of course, the pretty girl and the now, you know, ripped muscle guy are going to have their happily ever after. I would have liked to have seen, even if he had been a little, like, if he had changed, but not that much. Like, So I can see both sides of it. Yeah. But it's always the pretty people that get together. Yeah. You know, I feel like it would have had more resonance and more impact if he had thinned out, but was still a little bit thicker. Yeah, or was like tall. You know, he wasn't fat, but he was, you know, thick. He was thick. Yeah, exactly. T- he was THICC. He, he was a little more, you know, Parks and Rec Chris Pratt and less, yeah. you know, Star Lord Chris Pratt. Yeah. But uh, I'm sorry, I know. I, no, Church no. that doesn't like the gays, I get it. Chris Pratt back, got it. But, you know. Um, I will say, I'm pretty sure her and Bill get together in the book and the miniseries. And that always bothered me. That, like, literally would piss me off all the time. And so I'm at least glad she got with the guy that was, like... That actually has cared about her this entire yes. time. So that at least made me happy. But, yeah, no, I see, I know exactly what you're saying. I'm yeah. completely 100% on board with what you're saying. But, again, she went from it went from being Bill, who... And James McAvoy is not an unattractive man by any stretch of the imagination. But now you basically gave her an Abercrombie model. Like, you know, he, you took him off of a... You know, a, a a print ad for you know any type of jean company that's gonna be selling you whatever their brand is with a shirtless man in their ad. So I, that was my biggest kind of like, I get it. I understand that you like. Had there been any type of thing of like just something where it was more about I am attract like I I understand now and you know I've always cared about you, but now i realize how much you've cared about me and whatever it just all felt very rushed and for them to do all that exposition at the end like the movie could have ended earlier than that like you know what i mean like there was still like a good 10 minutes at the end of like we're gonna finish doing all of this other stuff and then you had stanley's letters and he had all i'm like god damn there is a lot that you're expositing at me right now with this movie i've been sitting here for two over two hours can we hurry this up a little bit it is dead. I get it. Let's figure out something else to talk about. Uh, but overall, I, I think three and a half, maybe 3.75 flames for me. I did enjoy it, and uh, and I'm glad I, I went and saw it. <laughs> Eric, take us into your second topic. So, the Jim Henson Company in the 80s had two major movies in Labyrinth and The Dark Crystal. And Netflix has revived The Dark Crystal. Funny, funny little factoid, I always get The Dark Crystal and Labyrinth mixed up. One has David Bowie, the other doesn't. That, and that is that is what is... That's how you figure it out. That is what has separated <laughs> them forever. Um... Uh, one has Finola Hughes playing Emma Frost in it as the lead, as, <laughs> as the main villain. Uh, but The Dark Crystal Age of Resistance is a new miniseries on Netflix. Uh, again, done by the Jim Henson Company uh, with all practical puppets. And I had actually never seen The Dark Crystal until a couple weeks ago. Uh, well, and I've heard this is a prequel. Yes. So if you have not seen The Dark Crystal, which I have not, I've not watched any of it. I haven't either. I've been told that I need to watch puppets yelling at each other angrily, which is what um, 
my work wife tells me or calls uh, the Dark Crystal. He was like, it's basically just puppets yelling at each other. He's like, it's really, it's done really well. I'm like, well, now that you describe it that way, maybe I'll watch it. But yeah, so so if you haven't seen it, you can watch that and then go watch The Dark Crystal afterwards. And to me, I I saw Labyrinth as a kid. And I loved Labyrinth as a kid. I thought it was really well done. It was interesting. There was a there was a clear story going on. Um, and everyone says, oh, if you love Labyrinth, you'll love The Dark Crystal and everything. And I watched The Dark Crystal and I'm like, you lied. You lied. It's okay. Do you not love it? I mean, the puppets are cool. They did. I mean, the puppeteering and all that is fantastic, especially for its time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it just felt muddy in its fantasy world. Uh, but everybody is raving about the new miniseries, so I thought I'd give it a chance. And. I've watched three episodes so far, and it is far and above way better than the movie itself. So what triggered you watching the original? Was it because Netflix was putting this out? Or did you start seeing chatter about it, and you were like, let me check this out and then watch the the miniseries? Well, I wanted to watch the miniseries, but I wanted to watch the movie first. Oh, okay. So that that was the catalyst. You weren't just like... Oh, okay. I'm bored today. Yeah, I'm yeah. not going to go play Pokemon Go with Pat, <laughs> even though he's asked me 47 times in the last you know three weeks. He's not bitter. Uh, <laughs> we don't have our little group anymore. It's very sad. Did you get all your blue tear twigs? Uh, they weren't blue. They were a weird green color. Yeah. But yeah. Um, yeah. yes, after like an hour, I was done catching <laughs> turtles. It was hot. I was bored. And I was just like, Ugh, I'm, I'm done. But I got, uh, yeah, I have my shiny family. I think I caught six on each account. Uh, good. Oh, so I yeah, yeah. So yeah. I would just want to make. I was curious as to how or like what prompted that, or you know, if you were just like, I'm just randomly going to watch this movie right now. <laughs> uh, no, it was it was strictly homework in preparation for watching the miniseries. Uh, the movie, it feels like it doesn't world build enough. Oh, to really know why things are happening at all mm-hmm. um, there's like okay these are the bad guys this is the good hero journey character okay he does the thing and wins the day oh, Yay. Okay. so would you suggest watching the miniseries before the original movie then probably not because well do you want to go down in visual quality <laughs> then yeah yeah i mean that's kind of the thing but you may better appreciate the movie because you would understand everything that's led up to the point that it is today but i think maybe if you watch the movie first you'll get like that backstory so kind of like those parts in it chapter two where they flash back to fill in the gaps i I mean i think it could maybe work that way too yeah if you watch the you watch it first and then you watch the uh, I see. I see what you're mean. Yeah. I see what, I'm picking up yeah. what you put down. Yeah. yeah, it's it's like Star Wars. Would you introduce somebody four, five, six, one, two, three, or one, two, three, four, five, six? That is a very good question. I, I mean, I watched one, four, five, six, seven, eight. You didn't watch two or three? No, because I I had never seen a Star Wars movie until uh, Episode One was being released, and I was in high school, 
think junior year. I want to say it oh, was wow. yeah ninety eight or like ninety eight ninety nine. Yeah, it was ninety eight ninety nine. Yeah, because I'm pretty sure it was a junior. I don't think it was a senior at the time. And um, I I was like, everybody was like, oh my god, episode one, new Star Wars, yes. And I'm like, okay, well, uh, uh, sure, I'll go watch this. And then I never went back. <laughs> and then it took until 2015 when womp, womp. I when I had my uh, my hernia repair done and I was laid up on the couch and Brian was like I'm gonna have you watch four five and six because seven was coming out yeah so he's like I'm gonna have you watch the originals those are better you don't have to worry about two and three so I've never seen two and three like there's a part of me that wants to go back and watch them just so I can say that I've seen them uh-huh. but I also like because I'm a completionist and y'all know I watched five seasons of Gotham. Uh, <laughs> just, just saying, if, you I, fool. if I could sit through that, I could sit through anything. You fool. Uh, but then it's like, you know, well, how far do I go to be a completionist? Do I go and watch all these other things? Because episode nine is going to bring in so many other, like, expanded universe things into, like, full canon with the movies. And so at this point, I'm just like, fuck it. I'll just wait until episode nine comes out and we'll, we'll figure it out from there. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but. I would I would still go four five six one two three because otherwise the emotional impact of finding out that Darth Vader is Anakin, Anakin would have would have no real impact on you. I mean the sand gets everywhere. (laughs) Sorry, I've seen clips. I haven't watched it. I've I've seen clips. Just think now that's that's Thor that he's sitting there talking to. (laughs) So, yes, I would say watch the movie before the miniseries. Uh, right. But is it on Netflix also? Yes. Okay. Yep. I was going to say, because I've seen a lot of people posting that they're watching the original, and I, I figured it was on there. But Yeah. Uh, but I've watched the first three episodes of the miniseries so far. It's so much better about building the world, and the video quality is so much better. Uh, puppets are great everything the voice cast i was surprised by the quality of the voice cast um taryn edgerton is the male lead and nathalie emmanuel who was um oh my goodness she was on game of thrones she was khaleesi oh melisandre yes oh melisandre yeah melisandre melisandre yeah melisandre uh Yeah. Melissa no, forgot Missende. about Dre. Missendee. <laughs> Missendee. Missendee. Yeah. Missendee. I don't know. Lady yeah. who had her head chopped off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because uh, Danny wouldn't back down. Exactly. Uh, uh, Mark Hamill. Uh, Helena Bottom Carter. Simon Pegg. Eddie Sandberg. Natalie Dormer. Damn. Eddie Izzard. Uh, Keegan Michael Keel. Or Key. Lena Headley. Basically, the entire Game of Thrones cast is. Uh, <laughs> Harvey Firestein, Aquafina. Uh, they got a bottle some, of water? Something, something for everybody. Yes, a bottle of water. <laughs> you beat me to that, you <laughs> son of a bitch. Thunderstruck! <laughs> you son of a bitch. Uh, I want my line back, damn it. <laughs> but there's just so many good people involved in it. And it's just really pretty to look at. And I think it's good. Just like me. Pretty to look at, but touch and full of fluff. I don't know. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> but touch it the wrong way, and you get the spines. Uh, so but yeah, I think it's good, and people should watch it. 
Nice. So that's the Dark Crystal Age of Resistance. Yes. On Nantaflix. All right. So my third topic. Your I don't third have third topic. My third topic. Your my third topic. You always have three topics. Uh, <laughs> I always have like three one-ups. <laughs> oh, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> my second topic is well, my my second topic was the Patreon. So technically. <laughs> My second topic is uh, one I'm just going to touch on because when this episode drops, we will have finally gotten to the fourth and final season of The Good Place. Oh, I'm so excited and sad, but mostly sad because I remember the finale from last season and now I want to cry and die again. uh, Do you want some frozen yogurt to cry into? I got you, dog. (laughs) Oh. Oh, God, I love Janet so much. Uh. Uh, <laughs> I'm two out of those three things. Uh, it's coming to its its conclusion. Uh, Mike Shore, the creator, and the writers had always had this idea in mind, this plan in mind, that it was going to be about four or five seasons. And they, according to Mike Shore, they have um, touched base throughout the writing and the the development of the first three seasons to figure out how the story will play out and where they should end it. Because, I mean, when you're basically flipping the script every couple of episodes, you need to kind of know where you're going. Otherwise, it could be a complete train wreck of a show. and A trolley wreck of a show? Oh, uh, the trolley no. problem. <laughs> it's... It's going to be really sad to see it go because it is such an intelligent and funny and well-acted show with a cast that, yes, Ted Danson is is a big name. Kristen Bell is a big name. But for the most part, the rest of the cast oh, yeah. is newer, undiscovered. Jamila Jamil. That's her... F- her yeah. first acting role. That is her first acting role, and, and the only other thing she's ever done is like a documentary voiceover. Well, role. she was a presenter. Yeah, in, she was a presenter in um in the UK. So basically, if you don't know what that is, it's like a television host, like a uh, you know, kind of almost like a Ryan Seacrest, but not of that that yeah. magnitude of yeah. celebrity here. So she hadn't done acting before. Basically, everything that she has done is been learned on the fly and with the help of people like Ted Danson and Kristen Bell and uh, Manny Jacinto was another relative unknown um, and the supporting cast is just fantastic. Darcy you, Carden. Oh my god, Darcy Carden. <laughs> so good. And the fact that um, Janet may, could have potentially not been the Janet that we know it could have, there was talk about it being almost like a kiosk um oh yeah that like basically you go up to and it would give you information and there was a um if you haven't listened to it the good place the podcast it breaks down every episode they're extremely long episodes i will say this like 60 i mean okay i say this now that was recording a two-hour podcast (laughs) but we're not talking about one episode of television (laughs) well it's it's okay depending (laughs) on who their guest is those hour conversations can sometimes feel longer than they need to be. Yeah. Because they do talk about the show and they break down the show, but then they also talk about like what that person does and, you know, like their, their role within the, um, within the world of the good place. Yeah. Some of the guests that they have, like Mike Shore, fantastic person. His, his is the first episode. It took me a little bit to get into because 
sometimes business talk isn't as exciting to listen to. Yeah. Where when Darcy Carden is on the show, it's <laughs> just it's amazing. Like when they do a lot of these episodes, it's it's so it's so great. But they were talking about like the the premise and how they were going to do this. And they talked about it being like a kiosk. They had a, um, it was almost a young boy that was going to be this, yeah, it was you like know, a child or yeah. something, yeah. And um, and Darcy, you know, read for the part, and she pretty much thought she wasn't going to get it, and they went with her. And honestly, it's been an amazing experience to have her as Janet in the way that they they've done what they've done. I mean, honestly, season three's episode Janet oh. with the S in parentheses. Where aside from Ted Danson, the majority of the meat of the episode is all done by Darcy Carden as the other characters, as Eleanor, as Chidi, as um, Michael, uh, no, um, Tahani, Tahani, as Jason, and do like when uh, when they you know like when the puppies appear and like you know they like when they do all these things, it's so incredibly crazy how she does this and the the amount of work that the visual effects team has to do and the fact that like she was acting against a tennis ball for most of these things like it's yeah she deserves all the awards like just give her every fucking award and be done with it and the way they ended season three they're now having to prove that humans are judged unfairly based off of this centuries old decade uh, your millennia yeah. old system of okay this is what this is or even just some of the rules that a hundred years ago it's something new would happen that they had this point value but now it's different because you know people are literally making thousands upon thousands of choices micro choices and they don't even know it exactly it's it's the fact of like where was this where was this tomato farmed and what were the conditions of the workers and what was this what was this so where at one point in time, it was, okay, you know, this would have been a plus 20 points. It's now a negative 30 points yep. because of all these micro decisions that they are unaware of. So they decide, they get the judge to go along with doing this test in a evaluation sense. of the yeah. process. Yeah, basically. recreating the neighborhood. In the medium place. In the medium place in Mindy's backyard um, with Derek. Who is now <laughs> Suave Derek? I love Suave Derek. Oh, uh, such his penis is almost fully formed now <laughs> after this half a million resets. I have wind chimes when I ding dong. So, like, it, it, and then they, the bad place gets to decide who these four people are going to be. They feel okay. They're going to pick like these bad Ter- people. Yeah, terrible people. And you know, like they were given a parameter of like it can't be, it can't be mass murderers and all this stuff because they need to be on a relative uh, equal footing, badness wise, as the original four. And then we get the first person, and it's like, okay, this guy's weird. And then it turns out it's somebody from Tahani's past, a yep. Perez Hilton esque, like celebrity blogger who liked to basically, you know, kind of talk shit about Pretty Tahani. Much trash her, yeah, yeah. And um, and then we get the do we get the old woman next? No, no, we get, no. Do we get okay? We, so do we, we have the get twist? Chidi's yes, Simone, Simone, um, Kirby, Kirby I, Saint something or another. I, can't <laughs> I just love the fact that Sean just goes, 
Oh yeah, she's dead. You want? It was hilarious how she died. You want to know how it happened, Chidi? <laughs> no, <laughs> it's just that. Who again? If you have watched, if you have not watched Veronica Mars season four on Hulu, um, she is in that as well, playing a kick-ass oh, character, you're right? And she is fabulous, fabulous at the beginning of season three as Simone in Australia, fabulous um, in Veronica Mars, and they basically have to put. Um, Chidi decides at that point that he's got to get rebooted, rebooted yep. because if he doesn't, he's going to fuck the whole thing up because he's going to make a mistake. He's going to doom this project and it, it leads to this whole thing of, okay, well now he's not going to remember anybody and now he's just another, gonna you know, for, he's going to forget that he was in love with Eleanor. Yeah. So they do that whole montage and of all their different, all their death of times they fell in love. Yes. <laughs> all new scenes. I think there might've been one or two scenes that were, from uh, the original airings, but then they they shot a whole bunch of footage, just those scenes uh-huh. uh, for that montage, and then we have the old lady who is just I don't I'm not quite sure where her foil is. Oh <laughs> like, no, um, I I think we're still because we still have I think we still have two more people. I think the old lady isn't one of the no she is is she one of them yeah because Eleanor takes her on the tour oh okay because everybody else was made by Janet everybody else. All the other, oh yeah, all were the made by people. Janet and Derek. Oh yeah, um, yeah. The the old lady who like, we have all of this at your disposal. You can ask for anything, and she's like, "Can I watch Wheel of Fortune?" Like it's like the most mundane <laughs> thing. She's like, "We have all of this," and she's like, "That's nice." Can I go have soup? Like you know, it's it, it's it's that. I I think it almost is in in essence an Eleanor. Like an, an Eleanor foil where yeah, it's, if you give Eleanor an inch, she's going to take like three miles. Where this woman, you're like, here is the entire world. And she's like, that's great. I'm just going to knit my little my little scarf over here. Yep. And, and then we have, we have Chidi. We've got Simone. So it's going to be interesting to see how this all like plays out over the next season. Because there's, the, uh, the, there's still one more person for the experiment they, they need. Yeah, which is weird because now you've got a technically a fifth person. So, so it's, and so it's there's there's one more person for the experiment, and it's the bad place picked the worst people for them. Yeah, it's basically it their is. foil, yeah. their antithesis to uh, to make it so that way it'd be uh, that much tougher for them to help each other and and make it work. So that's gonna come back. Um, there is a. Web series. I have not had a chance to watch it yet, but it's set in the bad place, and it gives a a little bit of a, a different take on on all of that, which is up on uh, NBC.com. So check it out. The twenty sixth. It'll be the day before this episode drops. We'll get a uh, we'll get our our first taste of the Good Place season four. All right, with all of our topics now discussed. We want to take one more opportunity to thank you all for listening to us. If you are enjoying our show, check us out online, flameonshow.com. Follow us on all of your social media platforms at Flame on Show on just about every social media platform out there. And as a reminder, if you didn't miss it earlier when we talked about it for like 10 minutes, we have a Patreon now that's just for our show. What? Yes. Oh my God. You can, if you are enjoying us, if you enjoy our the antics that we we put on for you every month, then head over to patreon.com forward slash flame on show and you could be like hoodoo voodoo 
the Nerdy Show Network and uh, Rodolfo and become patrons and help us to continue bringing you quality Flame On programming. Now it is time for our one-ups. We'll go back around the other way. Eric, hit me with your one-up. Okay, I'm going to go rapid-fire honorable mentions first. Oh, see, Ah! look, he's he's pulling a me. (laughs) Pandemonium. You get Uh, one thing. um, So one of my favorite podcasts is La Culturitsas with Matt Rogers and Bowen Yang. Mm -hmm. Congratulations to Bowen Yang for being the first Asian-American full-time cast member cast on SNL. Yay. Yay. Um, Kelly Clarkson, the original American Idol. She has a new daytime talk show. Yay. Yay. Uh, but my what? Up- Which I heard that she doesn't let anybody else talk. Probably not. She's a talker. Um, <laughs> but she starts every episode with um, Kelly Oki, where she comes out and does a cover, uh, which is fun. And But my actual what-up this week is going to see Lizzo in concert. Yay! Yay! Did you find out if you were 100% that bitch? I've always been that bitch. Oh. I, don't, I, don't I mean, play, he's I don't, been that bitch, but maybe not that bitch. I don't play tag, bitch. I bet it. <laughs> um, so, Pat and I went down to Tampa to see Lizzo in concert. He is bitch. Uh, we were in the general admission standing room. Yes, because we were lucky enough to get tickets to the original show, which was supposed to be at Janice Live in St. Pete, which is a standing room only venue, a GA venue. And then when she sold that out in like 25 minutes, they moved her to um, the Yingling Center, which is the home to uh, USF. That's yes. their like yes. sports arena. Yep. And uh, so all of the tickets from Janice became general admission. So we got to stand on like the basketball court area. Which was a great view, except it got very crowded. Except when uh, uh, our homosexuals almost <laughs> fought some heterosexuals <laughs> in the crowd. Yes. It was, it was very tense couple minutes there yeah. uh which i was like i'm just trying to listen to this song pat and i were involved in it it was just happening right in front of us <laughs> um and then some drunks i don't was she one of the lesbian yes yeah she was wearing uh, a... at towards the end of the concert one of the lesbians <laughs> um decided to pass out on the ground and the crowd had to part at like Moses she had a little, the red sea. She had a so. little too much juice. Apparently. Yes. Blame it on the juice. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But Lizzo was a great performer. Um, very energetic as her uh as videos of her live performances would show. Uh I'm sad that Sasha Flute only came out for like a hot second. Oh yeah, it would have been nice to see more of that. Yes. Uh, it would like I understand the the whole she had a DJ instead of a live band. Yes, uh, she plays she she just set the track which is interesting. But for a first time on yeah, like a national tour, yeah. yeah. Tour uh yeah. Uh the dancers were great. Uh, it was a great performance. Yeah. I feel bad like kind of hesitating when people were like, "Oh my god, how amazing was it?" And I'm like, "It was good because I agree. Like her and the dancers and all that was phenomenal. Yeah, the stage dressing was weak, and and yeah. these are all things I chalk up to first national headlining tour. Yeah, yeah, these are things that one you probably obviously this was a complete leg of a tour that was added on afterwards 
because the original tour sold so, so well that they were like, we're doing more dates. And we were one of the first stops on the second leg of the tour. And it's going to grow with her, even if she still does set to track because it frees up space. You can do the dancers. You can do more stuff with that. That's going to be great. But I want to see more of a... Uh, yeah, there of a whole visual appeal to you it. You want to see more polish. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah, 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 it yeah. needs to be more than just a church pulpit yeah. and some risers. Yeah, yeah. and Ooh. then there was some like bar like setups on the side, but I don't even know what that was yeah. for. Yeah. But but otherwise, but it was an amazing show. Yes. Yay, Lizzo. Lizzo was giving Eric live. She was giving me live too, but you know, that'll be, a, I'll have a different one up. BJ, what's your one up? Uh, mine is an anime. I've been out of anime for a little bit um, since Food Wars kind of went away, but it's coming back next month, so I'll have that to talk about next month. Um, it is an anime called Demon Slayer Yatsuo <gasps> I, was, I watched no it, Yaiba. too. Oh, you watched it, too? Yeah. Um, it is fucking gorgeous. It's I beautiful. Absolutely fucking gorgeous. Um, it's pretty much about a brother whose family gets slaughtered by a demon and his uh, only surviving sister... Uh, is infected with demon blood, but has resisted the urge to eat anyone because she wants to keep him safe. Um, so it's very much like a bl- uh, siblings keeping each other safe against all odds. All the side characters are really interesting. Um, there's only one I find slightly annoying, but I also find him absolutely fucking hilarious. Um, Lightning Boy? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, no, it's got a ton of heart. Um, there's... Uh, it's one of those series where you go into it thinking it's one thing and then it ends up be having a lot more depth to it. Um, it's really, really, I mean, like I said, it's absolutely animated gorgeously. I have no idea like what their budget is, but Jesus, I hope they never lose any money. Um, and there was one more thing. Who was that? Anyway, um, the music's fantastic. And, uh, if you have Crunchyroll or I think Hulu, yeah, it's on Hulu. Um, pick it up. It's uh, I think it's just currently twenty four episodes. Um, it is absolutely fantastic. Um, great action sequences. Uh, the funny funny moments are absolutely hilarious. Um, Netsuko is my little pudding pop, wonderful baby child, who can live in the box, and hang out for all I care. And if you watch the series, you'll understand what that means. <laughs> um, yeah. So watch it. All right. And for my one-off, I have four things. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, I wasn't. I completely forgot about one thing that I'll give it an honorable mention to until I mentioned it earlier. Uh, Lover by Taylor Swift dropped. And it's fantastic. It's a great album. Honestly, I, I'm just I'm smitten with it. I feel... Um, rep- you love her. It. I, oh. oh no! You beat me to it too, you <laughs> jackass! <laughs> <laughs> Times two. <laughs> Reputation. When I dug into it for the time for that time and what I was going through personally, really stood out to me because it it hit a, a more raw and darker and like more almost kind of adult Taylor. Uh, with a lot of those songs, Getaway Car still uh, is it, it cuts a little too deep for the wrong reason, like you know, for for a negative reaction. A lot of reputation is very positive in my my perspective of like 
how it uh, how it can apply to my life. Lover is um, being hailed as her best album to date. It's her first one on her uh, her new record label, the first one that she owns the complete masters to. Oh, nice. Um, she's talked about going back in and re-recording the first five albums. She can do so in November 2020. Uh, so she's talked about doing that. So she has the masters to those. And basically we'll get, uh, you know, 20, what, what is she going to be, 30 this year? 89 to 2019? Yeah. So having 30-year-old Taylor taking on 15-year-old Taylor songs, like, you know, it's interesting. But it's a great album. If you haven't listened to it, um, Paper Rings is like my upbeat jam. And false. It's a bop. It is a bop. Uh, <laughs> no matter how many times people want to say that she ripped it off of um, uh, Hillary Duff, which I do love me some Breathe In, Breathe Out. It's a sped up. It's almost like that same pacing, but it's sped up. The tempo is different. Uh, and then false god has become like my like deep like deep cut like deep in my soul song so the uh real quick the thing that was giving me life was how much i cried while watching the season finale of american ninja warrior season 11 i watch the show i get suckered in it's like my american idol or any of those competitions the voice or america's got talent where here's a backstory that's gonna get you all up in the fields and in 11 seasons there's only been two there've only been two uh ninjas that have made it through stage 3 and have beaten stage 4 technically at that point which made me sad cuz they're like our american ninja warrior uh Isaac Caldero and I'm like Jeff Britton did it first he just <laughs> he just didn't do it fast enough so technically Isaac won yeah. uh but they uh this was like a big season in the respect of they had the most finishers on stage two, which obviously if you only have like five people for stage three, your chances of getting a finisher and doing all that are, right. are slimmer. They had, I think, 21 people finish stage two up from the year that they, we actually had a, a, a winner. They had, I think, 11 or 15, something like that. It was a, a lower number. So they they added quite a few people. And um, Drew Dreschel, who's been doing this for nine years i think it had been uh finally beat stage three uh daniel gill did also i'm not a huge daniel gill fan but whatever and uh because he uh, daniel gill finished first he had the option of going first or second he chose second so drew dreschel did it and he did the 80 foot or 70 foot rope climb in like 27 seconds so at that point is it just whoever does it faster wins the actual prize yeah or well you have any to, number of people as long as they beat the time limit so you have to win. climb the 70 75 foot rope in under 30 seconds yeah that's stage four that's that's the requirement in order to beat stage four you have to do that yeah two before the season two people had done it and uh jeff and isaac so Daniel um Daniel chose to go second, so um uh Drew Dreschel went first. He climbed it and with I think just over three seconds left, hit the buzzer. So he beat stage four, and then it came down to is Daniel Gill gonna do it and is he gonna do it faster? Because then whoever the person who does it and does it the fastest wins the prize money. Gotcha. And it's a million dollars. Like it's a yeah. it's a million dollar prize. So at that point we knew somebody was gonna win. And then Daniel Gill sets up, and then he starts doing it. I'm like, fuck, you know, he, he's going second. It's going to end up being. And I like, I'm not a huge, huge Drew Dreschel fan. He's a really good athlete and a really good ninja. 
but like you know joe morofsky is one of my my faves and he unfortunately did not beat stage three uh but i'm like fuck this person who's been doing this for nine years like has done he's beat stage four like this is like it's gonna somebody's gonna end up taking this away from him and he the daniel gill did not complete stage four so uh drew dreschel was the only one to complete all four stages and uh and took home a million dollar prize and has a baby on the way and yeah it's, it's this whole little thing it's like oh and i'm sitting there i'm like i'm getting emotional and crying like during some of these like i'm like bated breath havoc is asleep on the couch and i like like do that like big gasp and he like he's like what the fuck and i'm like oh, i'm sorry go back to bed <laughs> did you break out into song after you cried I did not. Um, so was it an hour-long episode just to watch the two of them do this in less than 30 seconds? Well, no. There are two-hour episodes. Uh-huh. Uh, so an hour and 21 minutes when you watch on Hulu with no ads. Yeah. Uh, they did, for the season finale, they did stage three and stage four. Okay. So I think week one, I think it was three weeks that they did it. So stage one was the first week of the finals, the Vegas finals. Yeah. Stage two was the second week because they have so many people that right. they padded out. Yeah. Uh, plus, they film all this, and they know how many people, so they, they plan it accordingly. Yeah. So if you know that, like, two, three, and four are in the same episode, not many people make it through, and probably nobody wins. So you can gauge it a little better. But this was like, okay, stage one. Okay, stage two. All right. Like, this is going to be a thing. And then, yeah, we, they had, I think, 21 finishers do stage three. And then in the last, like, 10 minutes of the episode, they did the um, the, the the first climb break and then come back into the second climb and then do all okay. the fanfare for it so i'm glad they didn't pad out an entire hour oh, just for no. stage four no no no, no. <laughs> they, and again the same thing happened um back in uh, 2015 when they had the, the the first time they had somebody win it was the same thing it was stage three and then okay. stage four and it was funny because it was like history repeating itself because um isaac caldiero andrew dreschel both made it through like in the middle of the the runs and then either it's editing or it's how it actually happened. But the final runner of the night on both times was the second person. So Jeff gotcha. Britton was the last runner. Daniel Gill was the last runner. Again, this is television. They could have run back to back and both finished it. And it would have been whatever. Yeah, then somebody just has to film a voiceover after the fact. And the last runner of the night. Exactly. So, you know, whether or not that's how it happened. But they they, they really mirrored um those two seasons so it was like okay cool we're we're gonna have a kind of a repeat of this and i mean 11 years and it's been four years since there was a winner you know it's it's definitely something that i look at and go oh girl that looks so easy and i'm like as i'm stuffing my face full of you know chips <laughs> on the couch so i i give a lot of credit to these people they do uh amazing work and uh in in training and, and doing all of this stuff but that was giving me life this week as I as I sat on my couch and cried and uh and, and watched Drew Dreschel, the real life ninja, take home a million dollars that I'm not gonna get any money from. <laughs> Anywho, thank you all so much for hanging out with us and listening to this episode of Flame On. Check us out online, flameonshow.com at Flame On Show on all of your social media outlets. And um in the words of Lizzo, bye bitch. <laughs> 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.